Thanks for listening to the Reforming Classical Education podcast from the Beza Institute. I'm your host, Lucas Vieira. Today I have the privilege of being joined by Addison Barton. Addison Barton is a classical educator who teaches humanities and theology at New Covenant School in Anderson, South Carolina, where he is also the college and career counselor. He is a graduate student at Davenant Hall and a joyful member of the Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church. When he isn't teaching or studying, Addison enjoys spending time with his wife, Zoe, and fellowshipping with the saints. Addison, it's great to have you on the show today. Great to be here. Thank you. Yeah, so I'd love for us to just dive in. Um, if you could, um, let's, let's have you go into um, describing your journey to classical Christian education. How did that, how'd you get involved in that? How, how'd that begin for you? Yeah, so I was not classically educated. Um, I went to public sure. school, okay. K through 12. <laughs> and then my first two years of college were at public uh, colleges. And then I finished my last two years at just like a pretty normal private Christian college. Um, how I got into classical ed was I was living in Salt Lake City, Utah. I kind of did a post-college gap year fellows program out okay. there. Um, and COVID hit. So as the program was uh, in, I, see. I was... Sure. I was stuck in my house. I had spent the year working uh, in the public school system okay. there, not as a teacher. My technical title was student advocate, but I was a truancy officer. Okay, sure. <laughs> sure. sure. Um, and so I'm getting paid to basically sit there in my apartment. I'm like, okay, I got to figure out what's next because in a mm-hmm. few months, this fellowship is over and the world's shutting down apparently. Yeah. Um, and so I knew I wanted to try teaching. Okay. And so – I also knew from my experience that I did not want to teach in a public school. Sure, sure. Uh, it just, uh, wasn't for me. And I think I found out, you know, that found the term classical education first, um, probably like a lot of others in Rod Dreher's Benedict Option. Okay, sure. Yeah, yeah. That I read while I was out there. Um, and he put words to an idea I had in my mind, hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, oh, that's what I've always wanted. I remember in high school getting advertisements for colleges because, you know, they just start pouring in when you become a sophomore or junior for places like St. John's College. And the advertisement would have like the book list. Here's all the stuff you're going to read. And I was like, that I want to go. Yeah, Um, that's right. And then I was told, no, that's that's not practical. Don't go there. Go (laughs) go do something else. Um, But I didn't know what it was called. So I was like, okay, classical education. If I'm going to try teaching, that's what I I want to do. Okay, I see. so I literally, how I got into it was I started doing some Googling. I found the Association of Classical Christian Schools, and I literally just went on their job board, made I a resume yeah. letter, letter mm-hmm. and just sent it to like every upper school position I could find in a place that I could even remotely see myself living. Wow. Okay. Um, there you go. So that That's kind of how it started. And then one of the schools sent me an application and part of their application process was they wanted pretty detailed answers to questions about Doug Wilson's book, mm, The sure. Case for Classical Christian mm-hmm. Education. Okay. So I was like, oh, man, I need to read this. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> um, so I, I I bought the book online and re- read it that day so I could do the application really quickly because, mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't have anything else to do. COVID had shut everything down. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, and so then through his book, I was like, wow, this really is awesome. Yeah. But then I realized, hold on. I'm about to apply to serve, hopefully, giving an education I never received, right? Which I think there were several generations of classical ed yeah. teachers, and still today, that they're sure. trying to give something 
that they themselves that's right did that's right. when they were young uh and so then i bought uh mortimer adler's how to read a book and mm-hmm. read through that and then just started kind of picking at random what i wanted to read from the western canon sure and sure kind of i love it introduction to everything but out of yes. that round of applications i ended up here in okay. uh, south carolina i see excellent so could you describe for us your your role at new covenant school and what, what you do what your day-to-day looks like i'd love to hear yeah, sure. Uh, I, I wear several different hats. I'm primarily a teacher. So okay. I teach uh, classical medieval humanities. So Excellent. in our uh, upper school, especially the high school, our humanities are integrated. So I have the classical and medieval periods. Um, and then I do some of our Bible and theology electives. So this okay, year I'm great. teaching New Testament in eighth grade. And then it comes around every two years, but I do systematic theology as well. That's great. Um, and then... I also this year have been doing our chapel on Fridays, so teaching in that, and then also new this year is college and career counselor. I love so that's a full plate right there. I love it. It is. It's a lot, but it's a blast. So yeah, that's excellent. Well, if you could, how how would you answer? You know, if somebody was to ask, um, how do you think classical Christian education uniquely prepares students for the future? Um, I'd love for us to just think through that. So as a humanities teacher, um, how does the study of the humanities prepare kids for the future, right? You mentioned earlier, you looked at that book list at St. John's College, but people would make comments to you, yeah. oh, that's not practical, right? And and we right. can hear that as classical Christian educators. So particularly from that, you know, you're in the medieval humanities classroom. What what does that have to do with preparing students for what that might might come next for them in life? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not practical for people who want to turn you into a cog for mm. their industrial machine. That's right. right. Sure. Um, so, uh, you know, obviously as Christians, any of the Bible and theology classes need very little defending, right? Of course, we yes. want to know God and we want to love mm-hmm. God and Bible and theological formulation is part of how we do that. Amen. But with uh, the humanities it takes a little bit more to justify it. I think for a lot of people. Um, and I, th- I think we can do that in several different ways that okay. all of them are appropriate. So a lot of it comes down to the several different ways that the classical part of classical Christian education can be defined. Hmm. Right. As soon as you start getting into the, you know, the classical Christian ed sphere, you'll see that there's actually a lot of, you know, variety of opinion That's right. on what sure. the word means or mm-hmm. should mean. Yep. Um, and so I think there's a few things it can mean, all of which are good and all of which show us a little bit how the humanities help students going into the future. The The first part of classical education that I think is important is its methodology, right? You know, we like to talk about uh, using the Socratic method, maybe not exclusively, right? Lecturing sure. needs to happen sure. as well. But what you're doing is you're making sure that students know how to think through things themselves hmm. and therefore actually have knowledge it's not just an information transfer where yeah. they learned how to memorize. Mm-hmm. Not that memorization isn't an excellent skill, sure. especially in rhetoric. Uh, that's great. Mm-hmm. But it, it, you're making sure that students actually are learning, not just memorizing. Yeah, yeah. And in a sense, especially as a Christian, you 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 kind of have to desire wanting to be a lifelong learner, at least in respect to God. Hmm. That's right. We yes. always we yeah. always want to grow in our knowledge of God and what he desires for and of us. Yeah, that's it. Right. Um, so that skill is important in and of itself, right? Making sure you know how to actually learn. Hmm. Uh, 
and and have true knowledge, not just information that yeah. you've memorized. Yeah, that's good. Secondly, uh, classical could be identified, you know, with the liberal arts, right? Um, the liberal arts, of course, starting primarily with uh, the language arts, grammar, logic, rhetoric, mm-hmm. um, of which I think are essential for any person. First of all, any person who's engaging sure. with God's word needs those skills. Yes. And it's just the skills that apply to any other discipline you could go do in hmm. life. Yeah, right. that's right. And, and in a sense, if you can master those skills, you can approach any subject. Yes, yes. Um, you know, combined with math, mathematics, mm-hmm. and of course, the rest of the, rest of the liberal, liberal arts come with it. And then another way that you could define classical, which is also helpful for the future, is as far as content, right? The great books, the great conversation, um, things like that. And where that's useful is not because, you know, I think if you haven't read Herodotus in its entirety, you (laughs) just had a terrible education. There's nothing that can be done. Sure, sure. (laughs) Um, You know, because, I mean, there's a thousand and one great books and you can't do them all. Yep. In, an, yep. in an upper school education. But I think what's important about the content is you're you're presenting formative ideas to the students. Yes. And you're uh, training them and compelling them to have to think through them hmm. and then hopefully recognize them even under other names and guises. Yes. Excellent. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't – this might be controversial. I don't necessarily expect – or really on some level care if every single student that graduates from my school keeps reading Plato. Sure. Sure. At the end of the day, mm-hmm. right. The only book I'm adamant they have to read when they leave is the Bible. That's right. <laughs> they don't want to read any more Plato. That's fine. But it is important to me that they have been confronted with ideas, have mm-hmm. had to process through them, know how to identify what's true and what's not true. And then maybe can identify maybe modern forms of Gnosticism mm, that yeah. might be encroaching upon certain claims about their God. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Right. Could you do that without actually reading Plato? Probably. Sure. That, that's that, That's mm-hmm. doable. I like, you know, we like to use primary texts at my school. Um, and I think that's good. But the, the purpose of that part of the humanities education is to teach ch- children how to think and, and on some level, what to think, because we're testing everything by scripture, right? That's as right. soon as you yeah. say scripture is the absolute authority that you have mm-hmm. to follow when engaging with any other thought, then you're not just teaching someone to be a free thinking indiv- individual. Sure, sure. Right. Yeah. I, we, we can free think ourselves all the way to hell, which is, of course, <laughs> not what we want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. So that's I think right. I think in those ways, that's where you know classical Christian education and specifically the humanities hmm. prepare the future because you're you're still going to need to learn things, right? It may not be Plato, it may not be Aristotle, it may not be Dante, but you're going to need to learn. Yeah. On some yeah. level, you need those skills. You need to know how to think through things because hey, you're watching Netflix. Philosophies are being thrown your way. That's right. Whether they're whether they're called that or not. Yeah. That's and you exactly need to it. know how to think through them and engage them. And I think that's what you're getting with classical Christian education. I love it. I love it. Excellent. Um, well, let's keep talking about the humanities a bit. You are a humanities teacher. I know we do have some um, new teachers who listen to our podcast and uh, maybe those who are interested in teaching or those who um, are classical home educators. Um, what mm-hmm. do you love 
about teaching the humanities? I know you teach theology as well, and you do all types of different things, but what do you love about the humanities? I know you've mentioned some of those things already, uh, but I'd love to hear some more. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the thing I love most about the humanities is the fact that I don't have to specialize. Hmm, right. Sure. So my undergraduate degree is in history. Yeah. Uh, and I minored in Christian studies, but I love all the things, you know, as the young people would say today. So I like the fact that I get to teach literature, mm. history, theology, philosophy, all these things that have to be approached in slightly different ways, right. but all still primarily approached through texts. Hmm. Yes. Yes. Discussing those things. So it keeps me sharp. And make sure that I'm not just refining one skill set all the time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Whether it's you know, all I do is literature. Mm -hmm. And if you throw Libby at me, I don't know what to do. Sure. Sure. <laughs> right. Uh, so I would say that's the thing I like the most about it. Mm -hmm. But then also I just uh, I love stories, hmm. whether yes. fictional or non-fictional. Yeah. Um, and of course, in the humanities, that's where you get the stories. Right. right. And even, even right. philosophies tell a story. That's right. Right. They're telling a story about humanity and what he is on some level. Mm -hmm. So getting to engage with story, I think, is uh, one of my favorite parts about being in the humanities. Yeah, that's excellent. So, you know, you, you also you mentioned that you hold another role at New Covenant School as the college and career counselor. Um, so you're new to that role. What have you enjoyed about that role? What's that look like for you? Um, I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, so. This is year one for me. I'm still figuring it out. So none yeah. of this should necessarily be taken as advice. Sure, sure. <laughs> uh, I'm not not speaking as an expert, but I have loved it. It's yeah. It's been an absolute uh, blast. And it's it's a lot of fun because you, you get to really be a lot more involved with that question of, okay, where are these students now taking this classical education? Mm, yes, and yes. What are they doing with it? That's right. You get to yeah, be more cool. involved with that. That's great. Um, and then another thing I really like about it actually is getting to engage more with parents hmm. as well. Sure. So as you know, classical Christian educators, especially we always talk about, we work in loco parentis, right? We work for and in the place of the parents, right? On their authority. But just with the nature of how school works, usually if things are going well, I don't really need to talk to a parent that often. Sure. Sure. Right. Unless the student is struggling or behavior problems are popping up or whatever, everything's going well. I don't actually need to talk to their yeah. mom and dad. Yeah. Um, so it's nice uh, to be able to talk to the parents and just kind of share their excitement about the next phase uh, with their student and all those sorts of things, which was not what I ex one of the things I expected sure. to enjoy as much, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, but it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, that's great. So, you know, how... You, you've already really commented well on how classical Christian education prepares students um, for the future. So what what do your conversations look like with your students as they're thinking about how they can use that classical Christian education? Uh, what do those conversations often look like in those meetings? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so it's going to depend. The conversation is going to look slightly different depending on the student. Of course. Sure. Because um, by the by the time they get to senior year, I've had them through several years of mm. instruction. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I you unless they're a new student that just came in for senior year or something, I usually know them fairly well. Sure. Um, and so I usually start things with, okay, what do you think you want to do? 
not in like a doubtful sense of like, I know better. I'm about to tell you, but like what Mm -hmm. ideas do you have about where you're going and things like that? And then earlier on, I always encourage students, even starting in ninth grade year, start asking people what things Mm. they see you skills. Yeah, that's good. Right. It's good. Um, temperaments for certain things. Like what do other people notice about you that could help you figure out Hmm. what maybe that you're good at? Yeah. Specifically in reference to skills, because uh, yeah. I think that uh, being good at something makes that work more tolerable than, quote unquote, a passion for it. Hmm. Yes, uh, sure. And so just trying to get clarity on when we talk about what's next, especially vocation, are we talking about what we're passionate about or what hmm. we are good at Yeah. and can do long term? Yes. Those aren't necessarily the same thing, and that's okay. Yeah, that's right. That's that's fine. We're setting mm-hmm. up false expectation, expectations for ourselves if we think everybody's just going to be passionately in love with whatever it is they do all the time. Sure, like I sure. love my job yeah. until I have to sit down and grade essays. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Amen to that, brother. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I'm like, you know what? Am I really cut out for this? Uh, <laughs> That's right. Anyway, so I usually start there and just kind of get some ideas going, and then talk them through. Okay. You want to pick a school based on several factors, one of which is if you want to do something really particular, you have to find schools yeah. that have that. Yeah. Right. Um, and then just another part about living in the world is uh, counseling them on how to afford it. Hmm. So I would say yes. most of my time in college and career counseling is really taken up with – I do our transcripts. Mm-hmm. That's part of what I do. And then talking about how to apply and afford college. Yeah. Most of my students, like they know how to use the internet, right? Sure. They've kind of figured out where they want to go or apply. And I make suggestions and I'm, it's not that I'm not involved in that part of the process, but most of my involvement is, okay, how do we get it paid for? Hmm. But even then, I'm also not the person that says everybody has to go to college. Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, so we, we've had plenty of students that do not end up going to four-year universities they go on to trades or just to work for a Mm. little while yeah because they don't they plan to go to college eventually but they don't want to go before they know kind of what they want to do and waste money it's like okay that's fair um so we explore all options we do not we we don't that's great uh which i think can tend to happen it's like oh i graduated from classical school obviously i have to go Hmm. to a four-year university and get a liberal arts degree no you don't it's just, it's just not true. Yeah. That's um, right. And I have a student right now that's a great example of this. Uh, she is going to go on and get a certificate in cos- cosmetology. Sure. Um, take some business classes and do that. And she was just telling me the other day how she's saving up to buy this massive red book of Edmund Spencer's full, <laughs> unupdated Fairy Queen. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. She loved doing Fairy Queen in our medieval class. And mm. so she's determined to be one of like the four people who's read through the whole thing. I love thing, that. I love that. Un- unedited in the original. Yeah. That's right. Right. Um, and so I'm, I'm telling students all the time it's like, who says you can't be a very successful plumber mm-hmm. and then go yep. home and read Virgil? That's right. Sure. Right. Because uh, we we I think sometimes and especially if you're graduating from a classical college, there seems to be this idea like okay, well, what you can do now is just continue to read and teach, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Which the goal of classical Christian education is not to produce classical Christian educators. Yeah, that's good. That's good. 
hopefully that happens. Sure. Right. Sure. Somebody's going to need to be here to educate my grandkids, Lord willing. Right. Mm -hmm. That's right. Um, But that's not the goal of the education. The goal is uh, primarily Christ-like virtue. Right. Mm, Yes. Um, And that can manifest itself. This is one of the great parts about the Reformation in being a teacher, a preacher, a plumber, right? Uh, A farmer, whatever. Cosmetologist, mechanic. Yes. Like name any of it. They if they're if they're not immoral, they have dignity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so having those kinds of conversations, making sure the students feel free to actually pursue where their skills are. Yeah, that's excellent. Instead, instead of feeling like classical Christian Ed pigeonholed them into being a philosopher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not everybody's thing, and that's fine. that's right. That's right. Yeah, that's excellent. Um, yeah, no, I, I I've thought about that a decent bit, right? Where you have some who think this only prepares people to be classical Christian educators. And um, right. that's, that's clearly not even, that, that's not why we're doing what we're doing, right? We're, yeah. we're preparing, yes, we are preparing leaders um, of businesses, families, um, the church um, mm-hmm. to go and influence the world for Christ. Well, that's excellent, Addison. Um, so as parents are thinking about preparing their students for the future, what what might be some you know pieces of advice that you might give um, for those parents who are seeking to you know remind these students of, of these things we've been talking about and, and point them in the paths that they should go? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so there's the, the first thing I would start with is especially if you're working with high school school students um if they are more than likely going to take the four-year college route Mm -hmm. do not delay in starting to take standardized tests sure sure that should not be understood as my love or approval of standardized tests (laughs) yeah Um, when you have big institutions organizations like college board you know it's their game so you have to play by their rules um, so you don't want to wait too late to start taking things like the SAT or the CLT is a great option for obviously that's right for students uh, mm-hmm. coming through classical Christian ed and more and more schools are taking that, which is is great. Another thing for parents to specifically think about, uh, which I cannot answer for them, they have to kind mm-hmm. of answer their own comfort mm-hmm. level, is. So you've just spent, you know, however much money investing in your child's Christian education. Does that stop at college? Mm, yeah. Right. If, if the whole point is that we want our kids to belong to God. Yeah. Right. And we see the statistics about what happens now with classical Christian ed, the statistics are better mm-hmm. going it's from true. Christian education sure. to a secular college. It's absolutely better. Um, but are you willing to pay for them to go to a secular school with the dangers that that might entail. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't, I can't and will not absolutize that, right. That it's never right for a sure. Christian kid in a secular school or anything like that. Sure. That's not what I'm saying, but I think that's a thing we need to think about as we're investing in, you know, K through 12 Christian education. Are we willing to invest four more years in Christian education? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. That's another thing I would consider. And then also, Another thing I've noticed is that students seem to be much more open to non-four-year college options Hmm. than their parents. Sure, sure. And so my other advice for some parents would be have an open mind. Hmm. Yeah. Do some reading. You kind of like 
know where you're at in the story, trades are a good place to be right now. Mm-hmm. That's right. And it might be best for your student. That's so, you true. know, be honest and evaluating. And even for them, ask other parents and people what they think, honestly, mm-hmm. your kid might be good at. Yeah, that's great. So just like we as educators need to not pigeonhole the students into a certain path, I think the parents also need to be thinking in that mode, out of love mm-hmm. for their child. And many of them already are, of sure, course. Sure, sure. Um, but just by way of advice, I would say, yeah, as you're thinking for the future, think of all the options Hmm. and what your student is good at and be a part of that process. Yeah. That's excellent. That's excellent. Well, as we, as we start to wrap things up here, Addison, I, I love for you to just kind of, um, explain if in, in your classroom and in your work as an educator, whether that's teaching in chapel, whether that's teaching medieval humanities, whether that's uh, meeting with students and helping them think through these vocational decisions and future um, decisions, what type of students do you want to form, right? Like, what's your hope for your students? You know, of course, they're all going to go do different things, right? Some will be plumbers, some might be teachers, Um, but at the end of the day, um, what's your hope for them? What would you want them to look like? What what should classical Christian educators long for their students to look like um, as they move forward into the future? Yeah, so our whole our school has a portrait of a graduate, mm-hmm. which is just kind of like this one page write up sure. of what you know we're trying to produce, which would probably be a very good exposition of what I'm about to say. <laughs> Basically, I I want them when they graduate to be wise, hmm. virtuous churchmen. Yeah, yeah, right. I right. I want them to be invested in Christ's bride first Mm. and foremost, right? I want them to care about the church. Um, Secondly, I then, out of of that, I want them to act like Christ, right? Mm. And live as Christ tells them to live. And then under that, then, is pursuing Christ-like wisdom, which can look a lot of different ways for a lot of different people. That does not necessarily mean sitting around reading a bunch of old books, it sure. obviously can, mm-hmm. you know, I like that. <laughs> yes. Um, but I mean, some of the wisest guys I know are just guys who through observation of their own lives and like reading Proverbs over and over <laughs> have some of the yes. best advice ever. That's right. And if you were to mention Aristotle to them, they'd say who, <laughs> you know? Um, sure. Sure. So with, I would say what I'm trying to do in my classes, all of them really, no no matter what it is, is I want people to love the church, live for Christ Mm. and pursue wisdom wherever it may be found. Yeah. And if they're doing that as, you know, like we said, plumber, cosmetologist, engineer, doctor, teacher, fine. Cause there's, there's a wisdom to be found and virtue to be exhibited in all of those occupations. Amen. That's excellent. Well, Addison, thank you for your time, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, I, I learned a lot, yeah, gleaned a lot. Yes, great to talk. Thanks for listening to the Reforming Classical Education podcast from the Beza Institute. The Beza Institute for Reformed Classical Education seeks to promote classical Christian education from a distinctly reformed perspective for the glory of God and the good of his kingdom. To learn more about what we do, visit our website at bezainstitute.org.